This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Stock up with Bud Light for game days and check out Budweiser's limited edition Copper Reserve. Please drink responsibly. They're going to run and get that boot. This game's still alive, and the Hawks have a first down. Who wants to talk football? It's Ronnie Wingo, number 20. Touchdown, Arkansas. They talked the bar. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. So we have to start with the big news. Even though it may not be big news to you, it may be nearly 24 hours past the part, but we haven't been able to discuss it uh, on the show this morning because yesterday... We essentially on this show kept hinting towards it. And I'm just going to be honest, folks. The reason I kept hinting towards Daniel Gafford skipping the NIT, foregoing not only his junior and senior year, but foregoing postseason play this year, the reason I kept alluding to that is because I knew for a fact, 100%, that he was going to be skipping the NIT. I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying that that was pretty common knowledge in some media member circles. And so when the decision came out and Mike Anderson had his press conference and announced that Daniel Gafford would be leaving. It was no surprise. And I felt like, for the most part, the reactions from most of the fans were pretty positive. Most of the fans said, you know what? I get it. That's great. Appreciate what you did, Daniel. Good luck in the future. Loved you being a Razorback. Of course, you always have the idiots out there that lose their minds and start saying terrible things about how it's a slap in the face to all the team and a slap in the face to Razorback fans. One of those people actually be somebody who writes for our website at hitthatline.com, but that's okay. We still love Andy anyways. But there was a lot of different reactions, a lot of hot takes. I guess it was perfect because yesterday was a hot take. Here's what it comes down to for me, folks, is that with Daniel Gafford, what he has done as a Razorback has been great. He's been a great representative of the state of Arkansas. He's an Arkansas kid. He decided to come back for his sophomore year when he didn't have to. In fact, some people would even say he didn't need to. He could have left after his freshman year, went on into the NBA, went to the NBA Combine. Who knows if he would have been drafted? Who knows how it would have gone? But he at least had the ability to leave, and nobody would look at him funny for doing so. But instead, he decided to come back for another year. And there's no doubt that this year was pretty disappointing. This is not the year that Daniel Gafford was hoping for he, that he could have as well as his team could have. But regardless, it is what it is. That's what the season ended up being. And so now, Daniel Gafford has a decision to make after losing to that game in Florida, which I'm always curious to know when this decision was actually made. Did Daniel Gafford make this decision officially after the Florida game? Did he have it in the back of his mind of saying, okay, well, well, if we don't make the NCAA tournament, I'm going to sit out? I don't necessarily know. I don't think anyone knows, nor does it matter. But I do think that Daniel Gafford, by making this decision and sitting out of the NIT is a smart one by him. And it's one that shouldn't be surprising. He gave it his all this year. He tried to do everything that he humanly possibly could within everything of his power to make this season a great one for Razorback fans. I think that there were plenty of highlights and plenty of good moments to have if you're Daniel Gafford and if you're Razorback fans remembering Daniel Gafford. I think he will be remembered as one of the better players that Arkansas has had, geez, probably in the past 10, 15, 20 years. He's definitely up there with the Bobby Portises and the Ronnie Brewers and guys like that. But it doesn't make it any easier for Razorback basketball fans right now. The news of Daniel Gafford, that's not going to change anything for you. At least it shouldn't have changed anything for you as far as your feelings 
on Mike Anderson in the current state of the basketball program. But it does kind of connect. It does kind of correlate. It kind of goes hand in hand. Because now, now you play the waiting game. Now you sit on the edge of your seat waiting. Waiting for some sort of response. Waiting for some sort of hope to be mentioned, to be talked about, to be pointed to. You want to know what's going on. And that's where you're at right now. Razorback fans are wanting a leader to step up. They're wanting a leader to go out after the season ends. I don't think it should happen right now, but just after the season ends, make a statement, do a press conference, put out a release, whatever it is, saying this past season was extremely disappointing. So to fix this problem, we are going to do X, Y, Z. That's what people want. And that's what Razorback fans deserve. I don't know if they're going to get it, but that's what they deserve. And so people are going to be looking at Hunter Juracek, the athletic director. They're going to be looking at Mike Anderson. They're going to be looking at everybody with their arms crossed and say, okay, so what's the plan here? Do we have a plan? That there's hope? That there's something that we can do? Something that you can do? to fix this issue. That's what people are hoping for. That's what people are expecting. I don't know if it's going to happen. But folks, I have I know that I have not been covering Razorback Athletics as long as a lot of other media members or as long as other radio people or as long as some of you fans been following the Razorback program. But I'm telling you, I went through the later stages of the Nolan Richardson era. I remember those vividly. I remember the Stan Heath years vividly. I remember the John Pelfrey years vividly. And of course, I remember the Mike Anderson years vividly. But folks, right now, at this stage, I can't remember a time where fans have been more frustrated, more confused, more angry, more depressed use any negative adjective you want right now about the basketball program. And it's kind of unfortunate because it's not like this past season was the worst season you've ever had. It's not like it was one of the John Pelfrey years, which was just absolute trash most of the time. It wasn't even like that year. But it was a year to where a lot of Razorback fans just feel like something needs to happen. Something needs to change. You can't be doing this every single time. You can't continue on with this. You feel like your program should be better. Your team should be better. Your excitement should be higher. You feel like everything surrounding the Razorback basketball program should change for the better because right now you're getting more of the same. Year in and year out, it's just more of the same. What change needs to be happening? That's not up to me. That's not up to you. uh, That's up to the powers that be. But can you put your faith in the powers that be? Can you have faith in the administration, in Hunter Juracek, to do what's right and to do what's best for this program? And again, I don't know what's best for this program right now. That's also what's part of the problem is there's just so much confusion going along with it. I don't know what's the best thing for this program. But you're hoping that you have your faith in Hunter Juracek, in the administration, and in Mike Anderson for all parties involved 
to do what needs to take do what it takes to make this program great again. Make Arkansas basketball great again. Because you have the setup to do so, it's just about getting there. And it's crazy to think, folks. Frank Broyles fired Stan Heath after making back-to-back NCAA tournaments. How crazy is that? He fired back a coach that made it back-to-back years and was going to make it in his third year with a senior-related team. That's how crazy it was just to think about where it was 10, 15 years ago and where it's at now. Times have changed. Leadership's changed. Coaches have changed. But the fans, you fans, you haven't changed. You still demand greatness from your Razorback basketball program. And you should always continue to demand greatness from your Razorback basketball program. Follow the show on Twitter at HitThatLineAR. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Now he does a tightrope back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're number three. And nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hogs! Talking about Arkansas basketball, Daniel Gafford foregoing the NIT will not be playing his final game as a Razorback basketball player was in the SEC, uh, SEC tournament against Florida. Kind of a bad note to end on, but he is going to focus on his NBA career. I am fine with that. I accept it. I think it's a smart move by Daniel Gafford. I know a lot of people have been showing their disagreements and their hot takes all over the place Andy. yesterday. Yeah, old Andy Hodges on HitThatLine.com. Killing us, Andy. Taking raked against You're the You're killing us because then I get tweeted at because it's just like, you, you, hey, what's, what's this crap? How dare you? I was like, it wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. Talk to Andy. I love how... People don't even notice the capital letters Andy no, Hodges. No, it, it just, they just see hit, hit that, that line, line. And then they automatically associate it. Because I got tweeted that too yesterday. It's like, what is this crap? I was like, I didn't write yeah, it. It's like, like, listen, I, the, you, when you saw it, is the time I saw it too. So, But hey, we love Andy. He's got his own opinions. Don't necessarily agree with them at all. But he definitely started up a bloody hornet's nest yesterday with that article. So, Blank storm. Yeah. Can't it, say it, what the, the game word is. Yeah, but it was, it was pretty nasty. But anyways... Uh, you know, Mike Anderson had this to say about Daniel Gafford and the decision that he made. Daniel Gafford, you know, he's put his name in the draft and uh, we'll hire an agent and will not be participating in the NIT. I always support our guys in terms of, you know, their endeavors. I, you know, I just remember Dan coming here as a ninth grader, coming to our camps. And to see him to be in the conversation about being a first round draft choice, I think I think it bodes well and says, you know, him coming in and doing the things he's done. Uh, but throughout the whole year, uh, if you recall last year, I had a chance to sit down with he and his parents and, uh, uh, and of course, give them some of my opinion and just see how they felt at that time. Because, rightly so, he could have left last year and uh, had an opportunity. But I think he came and back and got – he developed, he got better. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. Decision to go to the pros, that was probably inevitable. But his decision not to play in this game, did that catch you off guard? Or, or uh, do you understand – I mean, kind of what was your reaction to that? To him not uh, just, you know, uh, you know, I've always been of you finish what you start. I've always been that opinion. You finish what you start. I'm sorry, does that mean you're upset? I just, no, 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 no. I'm supportive of what Daniel wants to do. You follow me? I'm supportive of what he wants to do. That's Dan's decision, and, and, you know, I'm fine with it. I thought that was a little weird at the end where Bob asked the question of, you know, how how was his reaction to Daniel Gafford sitting out of the NIT? Mike comes out and says, well, I've always been someone who believes you finish what you start. But then when Bob Holt, 
did a follow up, which is a great question. My mom says, Does that mean you're upset? And he goes, No, no, no. I want what's. I was like, Okay, so you said that. So obviously, I'm not saying that Mike Anderson is upset, but it just seemed like it was kind of strange that he took that approach saying, I just believe you should finish what you started, which makes me believe that he feels like Daniel should have finished out the season because they started the season. But then he says, no, I'm in full support of Daniel Gafford. I'm not upset or anything like that at all. Well, it's a political answer, John. We live it in a is. political world, and especially in sports. I know you could say politics is obviously political, religion's political to a certain degree, and sports, in terms of coach speak, that is a political answer because if you asked him straight up in a private room, Mike Anner would say, I'm ticked he didn't come back. That's just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. but I think most people would agree with that because based on his first answer where he said, I've always had to believe that you finished something, and then for Bob to ask, are you mad? And he might not necessarily be mad, but you know how your dad, like when you were younger, your dad was either mad or disappointed? Mm-hmm. I feel like Mike's more the disappointed category that Daniel's not finishing out the season with his teammates playing his final game as a Razorback. And again, you and I have both stressed that we were absolutely fine with the decision I'm for Daniel Gafford to forego the NIT game because I don't think there's any tangible benefit that you can get out of this game outside of playing your last game with the teammates. NCAA tournament, this kid's playing. There's not even a question that oh, this yeah. kid is playing. But this is the no one's invested tournament. No one cares about this game tonight. How many acronyms do I have to hear about the NIT? The no, not invested, uh, not invited tournament. Like they just got all these different acronyms for the NIT. Well, you you label yeah. this Keystone Light at the last thing at the yeah. party. People just drink it because it's there, not yeah. because they want to. I and that's the and that's what it is. And that's why I kind of feel sorry for the people at the NIT because every year it's like you're the tournament nobody wants to be at. That it's considered not a failure, but it's considered a big letdown at the end of your season if you go to that tournament. And that's what's crazy about it right now with just, again, the current state of Razorback basketball. It's just you have Daniel Gafford sitting out the NIT. And again, since we believe that it's the right decision for him and some Razorback fans don't understand it, it, it's just a, I don't know, it's just a weird concept to go to the NIT. And we're going to have Pat Bradley uh, coming up on the show here in about 35 minutes talk with him a little more about this because he actually went to the NIT in his sophomore year as a Razorback and so it's a matter of okay how do you approach it as a team do you really get yourself excited get yourself up for the NIT how do you keep motivated and stay motivated for a tournament that you don't really care about that you consider to be a disappointment you know how do you do that because actually that year that Pat Bradley was there they made the semifinal in the NIT so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he has to say about it but it just seems like you know, I'm not. I'm going to do predictions, and I know we're going to talk also uh, later in the show uh, about Providence in the game because I know people want to hear that breakdown. But you know, the thing is, is like I expect Arkansas to get blown out tonight. I expect Arkansas to lose pretty big tonight without Daniel Gafford making it into postseason play. That's not something that you're pretty excited about. Traveling in a quick turnaround on the road up into the Northeast and to Rhode Island, and you're going to be playing with the guy that you've been playing with all season long, or you're not going to be playing with the guy you've been playing with all season long who's your best player far and away, I I mean, you're talking about, I assume, either Reggie Chaney or Gabo Saboyan is going to be the starter. It's probably going to be Reggie Chaney. And then it's just kind of like, all right, well, I mean, what does this team have to play for? What are they going to be excited about? So it's just, that's just an interesting thing because I've never gone through it. I know when I played sports, I never really went through it. And maybe some of you have some sort of comparison that you could have made about it and about what they were doing and about what they were trying to accomplish and maybe making it into that consolation prize type of tournament. 
maybe that's something you found a way to get up for and get excited about. But I'm sure as a team, as a team that really felt like it was disappointing that they did not make the NCAA tournament, I just don't know how you can get pumped up for this for this tournament, for this game. I mean, it's one thing if you're one of these mid-major programs that you have to win your conference tournament to make it into the NCAA tournament, even if you go 31-1 and or whatever it is, and you lose in your championship game, you're not in the NCAA tournament. I can understand that it may mean something to them because it's still like some sort of postseason that you can play for, and that's really your only option. But for places like Arkansas, where that's not the expectation, that's not what they want to do, I just don't understand how you can really make that an exciting thing that guys get up for. Let's go back to the phone lines. Mark is in Van Buren. What's going on, Mark? Hey, guys. I appreciate my phone call. Uh, uh, my comment for Daniel Gafford, I wish you the best of luck in there. I really not sure that I want to see him go first round. Main reason is I'm a Thunder fan, so I'd like to see him play there. <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, I don't think they have a draft pick in the first round. I think it's in the second round this year. But anyway, um, recruiting wise, I, I, I wanted to think about this is that since this is, he's leaving to go to the draft and everything, I, I'm wondering just how. Mike Anderson can sit there and spin this and say, look, I've got a guy who went first round. You can still do this here at Arkansas. You know, the, think about the one-and-done guys possibly for him. You know, I was, wanted to get y'all's opinion on that, maybe. Okay. So just rephrase your question again for me so I can make sure I get it right. Well, I mean, recruiting-wise, do you think that this might give Mike Anderson a shot to go for, like, the one-and-done guys a little more? Um. I know he played two years, but I mean, yeah. The, the talk was last year that he might go last year. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you but. this. I'll tell you this, Mark. I don't think that it's going to change anything as far as going for one and dones because I would assume and I would hope that if Mike Anderson had a chance at a one and done, he would go after it hard and heavy no matter what. But what I do think, oh, I what I do think is that this is going to force Mike Anderson into going either the JUCO or graduate transfer route to try to get some sort of big man. Uh, probably more so the graduate transfer because a lot of these JUCO players that are really looked at and that are really uh, really talented, especially at the big man spot, probably already have a school that they're going to. So I would expect, if anything, to do a grad transfer route if they can to try to get some sort of size down low next year because, listen, Gabe Osaboyan and Reggie Chaney, they may be decent players, may develop next year, but those guys aren't going to be enough to be able to help you out down low. Oh, no, they won't be. But, yeah, uh, that was my question and my opinion, and I appreciate y'all taking my call. All right, as always, appreciate you calling in, Mark and Van Buren. So there you have it. Yeah, the recruiting is really the thing that people are going to be most concerned about with Arkansas basketball because, like we said yesterday, if you go to Rivals or 247 or wherever and you see the class of 2020 for Razorback basketball, no one's in it. Or even the class for 2019. He had Justice Hill. Nobody else. Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Give is to Alex Collins straight up the middle. And Collins on the run. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. Touchdown, Arkansas. 80 yards. As we welcome in Pat Bradley, former Razorback basketball player and current SEC Network basketball analyst as well as the shoot up hat it's the best time of year man ncaa tournament march madness is here i mean how great is this time of year man oh buddy it's the best how many brackets did you guys fill out already 
Well, I've only filled out two different ones so far, but I, I have a lot more to go. So it, it's going to be. Is that in pencil or is that in pen? <laughs> well, I won't, I won't answer that one. Maybe some of them will All be right. in pencil. Maybe some of them will be in pen. So well, well, it'll be a lot of fun, though, man. And Well, you know, it's it not only. I got some people I know who do the NCAA tournament, the NIT, the WNIT, <laughs> the women's tournament. They do them all, the CBI. Yeah, I see you name it. I want to be in it. <laughs> well, hey, I'm all about tournaments. I'm all about brackets. And let's just start right there with the NCAA tournament. You know, the SEC, seven teams in the NCAA tournament. It's amazing how far this conference has come from just a few years ago where they only got two, maybe three teams into the tournament. They've really elevated their game. There are a couple of teams that felt like they could have at least had a chance to get in, like in Alabama, maybe even in Arkansas. But what did you make of the SEC this year and just the great performance, not only that they had to get into the tournament, but some of these teams have a legit chance of making the Final Four? Yeah, I think that's what was different from last year where it was eight teams from the SEC, but none of the teams really were able to, not not only did they none of them make a deep run in the tournament, um, but you just didn't feel like any of them had a chance to get to a Final Four even. Um you know, even Kentucky, uh, just what you, you just didn't look at them like that. But this year, with Tennessee clearly, you know, being at number one for four weeks, ten, uh, Kentucky um, has a chance for Final Four. And you know, outside shot, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of mentality LSU has, but they've got the talent. And when you think about teams that can make Final Four runs, the last year Loyola. Mm-hmm. Two was it two or three years ago? South Carolina, yep. You know, comes in at I don't know if they were like a seven C or whatever they were when they got, but when they made their run. So you know, it's it's not far fetched to think that LSU or Mississippi State can make that type of a run because both of those teams, although can be inconsistent, what what they do have though is they have great guard play both Mississippi State and LSU, they have teams that can shoot it, can get hot from the outside. And then the other thing both of those teams have that, you know, just <laughs> it's just something that, you know, you got to get in recruiting, is they've got athletes that are big, athletic, can block shots, can rebound with anybody, get offensive rebounds. So when you add up, like, Mississippi State and LSU, all those types of things they have, I mean, they get a recipe to go to Final Four. Now, it's a, in a one-bent situation, you know, I mean, as talented as Duke is, they, they, they match up, you know, if they play a team that gets hot from three and, um, you know, they're Duke shooting 30% from the three-point line, uh, they get a team that can maybe battle them, give them some kind of resistance in the paint. Uh, anything can happen in a one-and-done type tournament, especially one that's over three weeks. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be playing good basketball for a couple of weeks, you just can't get hot for four days in a row, uh, like maybe Auburn in the SEC tournament. Well, Pat, one something that we've also been discussing is just about how the, since the SEC has elevated their game, a lot of it has to do with just getting some coaches in at some of these programs. It's really elevated it, too. There's a lot to choose from. So just looking at it from the conference perspective, which coach do you think has done the best coaching job this year in the SEC? Uh, well, Kermit Davis got the coach of the year. Um and I probably would have given him my vote. Um, 
because my vote isn't officially counted, but we were, you know, talking on, on, on SEC Now show, and Kermit Davis was, you know, ranking. He was right up there as, for me, one. You know, and then you look at Rick Barnes and Calipari right under him, and I thought Frank Martin, given what they uh, – they had a lot of turnover, and – Frank Martin had to do a good job in the non-conference of tweaking some things, moving some guys around, bringing some guys off the bench, and then he ends up finishing fourth in the SEC, uh, fourth best spot in the SEC. So I think Kermit Davis, just because first-year coach, the, the, the advantages of being a first-year coach is that those, you have those players' undivided attention. Mm-hmm. You're a new voice. They are going to listen to you, but the challenge is, you need to have uh, the, the your best guys buy into what you're selling, and so credit Ole Miss is uh, a few of their players on their roster, the most talented players, bought into what Kermit Davis was doing early on, uh, and there was still some talent on that roster. So there's the combination, uh, and Kermit Davis has been around so long; he understands the challenges, and so I think if you look at given what their expectations were. You gotta you gotta go with Kermit Davis. Um, now, if you if you go on overall Tennessee, Kentucky, I mean, you know, even Calipari, I never would have bashed with Cal, but you know, they, it's not easy to try to get all those guys who have individual goals in mind to be on the same page, and he was able to do it. Speaking with Pat Bradley, former Razorback basketball player and current SEC Network analyst here on the Morning Rush. Pat, let's switch it over to Arkansas a little bit. The big decision that was made yesterday was Daniel Gafford not only foregoing his junior and senior years at Arkansas, but also not even playing in the NIT. Now, there's been a lot of opinions on this. What did you make by the decision of Daniel Gafford to not play in postseason play, and is that something that you feel like is best for him? Uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I, I mean, at the end of it, it, when I look at the NIT and when we were talking about the Hogs being in the NIT, like there are some programs who they win an NIT championship, and that is such a huge thing for a program. But at Arkansas, the, the NIT is is, and we know this. I play, I had to play in the NIT in '97. Okay, mm. and what what it's used for is exactly what Arkansas is built right now, freshmen and sophomores. So this is a great opportunity, not for the current, well, for the current team, but for the guys that are coming back next year. Because, and Daniel Gafford is not one of those guys. So the guys who need to play in the NIT are going to play in the NIT. The guy who doesn't need to play in the NIT isn't playing in the NIT. So from that standpoint, like, you know who needs the NIT? Jalen Harris. Uh, uh, Reggie Cheney, Gabe, they, they, those guys need it. Mason Jones needs to play in it. Isaiah Joe, even as great as he's been, he's going to benefit from going up to Providence today in a, in a different environment and accepting a new role because that's part of it too. It's like, okay, this is going to be our team next year. So if there, if the NIT was built for any team, it's this freshman and sophomore hog team. And then of course, you know, you get Adrian Bailey and, and Gabe Osaborian. Uh, who are going to be? I know it's Adrio's a, a, a senior, so that would be a nice thing. Don't get me wrong. Now we we went to the final for NIT mm-hmm. in Madison Square Garden, New York City. Wonderful experience. Wonderful experience. But you know, I get it. I mean, we're playing for national championships 
in the NCAA tournament. But you can't just throw away everything that can be used to your advantage. And like I said, I mean, Daniel Gafford, does he, does, I understand people say start what they finish. Well, I mean, nobody starts the season thinking about an NIT championship. So I don't give me that crap like, oh, this kid's blocking on this team. You got to start, you got to finish the season. You started. I mean, it's different. It's, it's not the same. It's just not the same. And anybody who tries to look at it as the same is just fooling themselves because it, you know, everything, I, I don't, Coach Anderson understands. You think Coach Anderson is trying to say, oh, come on, Daniel, you got to stick around, man. We're going to make a run. It's NIT. Now, Coach Anderson understands at this point in the season, he's getting guys ready for next season. Uh, you're trying to win every game you play. Like, they want to win tonight against Providence. They want to win that NIT championship because that's what, you just got that competitive spirit. You get the competitive nature. You want to win at everything you do. So, uh, but big picture, it's not about Daniel Gafford right now. Well, Pat, and that comes to, into question as far as what Razorback fans and they feel about the basketball program right now. Like you said, nobody's really excited about going to the NIT. It is postseason play, but Razorback fans right now are looking at the situation where they're losing their best player in Daniel Gafford. They don't really have any big-time recruits as of right now coming in next season, and a lot of Razorback fans are concerned about the season and the season after that as far as getting back to the NCAA tournament. So what's it going to take? What does Arkansas need to do, Mike Anderson need to do, to make sure that they are a better team next year and the year after that to get back on track and making it into the NCAA tournament? Well, there's, there's, there's only one thing that, that will help um, these guys. And, you know, it's, it's minutes, it's experience. You know, we just got to talking about two, two head coaches. But one of them was picked 14th in the league. Right now that they're in the NCAA tournament as a what what's Ole Miss an eight seed. That's right. The other one, Tennessee, was picked last year, I don't know, tenth in the league maybe. Mm-hmm. And they ended up being co champs of the league. And the one thing those those guys have in common is they don't have any high recruits. None of them. So now if you told me Isaiah Joe, like Going in, like right now, Isaiah Joe looks like a five-star All American, uh, uh, McDonald's All American. Like, if, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my point is, sometimes you look at the stars next to the guy's name, and, and you know you're like, ah, this is going to be disappointing. But then you look at some of these five stars that some of the even Kentucky gets, and they don't do nothing. They play like, you know, they play like crap. So. I think and Mason Jones was a huge surprise. I mean, if you felt like just thinking of him and his journey in basketball, Mason Jones, that was a kid who was under-recruited, had to find a different path. You know, his brother goes to Duke. This kid has to, you know, get into shape. And, and I, I, you know, I, he's a high IQ basketball guy, so you just never know. Um, but I do know one thing. I do know one thing. What I saw from that team this year is what you want to see from a young team. They fought every game. There were clearly games that they were outmatched. Tennessee, Kentucky, even though that they battled Kentucky, I mean, you could see there's a difference there. But now, I mean, you give those guys another year under their belt from this year of, of playing all those games, and, and, and they're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot different. 
um, next year. And I'm sure, I don't know, I think, what do we get, a couple of guys come in, we get a fit, what is it, just one or two scholarships that we'll be able to, because that kid, one kid transferred, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Phillips. Jordan ended, Phillips. Yeah, ended up transferring. So yeah, scholarships are going to be pretty limited. Yeah. So you know what? You, and the good thing is, guys. The other advantage is everybody's going to understand their role. So you don't have to spend like Coach Anderson had to spend October, November, December figuring out which guys play what roles on your basketball team, uh, which is challenge in any team. And, uh, you know, and then, and then you hit conference play in January and guys are still trying to figure out their roles. Now they come in next season already knowing what Coach Anderson expects and, and, and they know what to expect from each other. So that's a huge advantage, too. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.